<laughs> Man, we recorded one like three times. Oh yeah, and my and my internet kept just like killing us every time. Oh, I was like, yeah. yeah, it's wild. Yeah. All right. Uh, welcome to a combination episode of the '95 and the Blacktop Pulpit. I am Andrew. I am the pastor of the Church at Sunsites, and I am here with my friend Matt Statler. Uh, Matt, would you like to introduce yourself and tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure, yeah, I'm a pastor in Sierra Vista, Sierra Vista Baptist Church. Uh, I've been here about a year and some change now. Uh, I originally was um, a missionary kid in, in West Africa is where I grew up, and then I came back to the States, joined the Army, spent ten and a half years in the Army, and then was uh, medically retired from the Army, and as I was in college, God did a massive work on my heart, which I desperately needed, and uh, called me into ministry. And then through that process, I went to, to school and then to seminary, and I got into a lot of biblical counseling with veterans. And that's what, one of my major passions is biblical counseling with vets. So that's me in a nutshell. Sweet. And uh, I've been listening to, do you just have, do you just do one podcast, the Gospel Lifeline, right? Yeah, I, me and me and another veteran buddy, we uh, we got together and started doing the Gospel Lifeline, talk about life issues and uh, from a biblical counseling perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've uh, I've been listening to that man. That's some good stuff. I definitely recommend uh, our listeners here, both the ninety five and Blacktop Pulpit, to go check out Gospel Lifeline. And it's pretty easy to search for. All I did was search Gospel Lifeline, and it came up. So. You have to be careful though, because there's only so when we did the search to find out if this would be a, a, a sufficient name, yeah, we found uh one several Mormon sermons with the gospel lifeline. So I'm not really <laughs> yeah. so I'm not sure we didn't listen to them. We don't know why they connected it that way, but for uh for our purposes, we're talking about the true gospel. So yeah, the uh the Mormon gospel is not a lifeline. It will take your life. So that's, that's, right. <laughs> that's right. 100. Oh man. All right. So, uh, we're actually recording this on Thursday, uh, but this episode will be published tomorrow on good Friday, bro. Why do we call good Friday? Good Friday. Uh, this is always interesting. Isn't that when they killed Jesus? Isn't that like, that's a, right. isn't that like a terrible thing? Why, why is this good? <laughs> why is this good? No, it's good because that's why Christ came was to die on the cross for us. And that's, I'm telling you, man, like, can there be any better good news than someone saving us from something that we can't even save ourselves from? Yeah. Yeah. This whole week, uh, of course I I did started with Palm Sunday and then, uh, fig Monday, Holy Tuesday, spy Wednesday, uh, today's episode published, which was Monday, Thursday, and all week I've been seeing a consistent theme. Christ came to establish his kingdom on earth. I don't know what your millennial view is, but scripture seems to indicate that uh, Christ came to establish his kingdom on earth and the incarnation to die, to save his people. And constantly uh, the theme has emerged like works-based righteousness or any system in which we somehow have to please Christ in order to come to Christ, like the pleasing Christ coming first. It doesn't quite work with the Easter season, with Easter week, uh, with with the crucifixion or the resurrection. Um, If we are consumed with our own religion and our own works, uh, then there's there's no reason for Christ to have died. And now we're getting at the death of Christ and what it actually accomplished on our behalf. 
Um, and I, I firmly believe that he died as a substitute. I think we see that in the text of scripture. I firmly believe that uh, because he died as a substitute, I no longer have to pay the price for my past sin because he forgave that entirely. Uh, I don't have to pay the price for that, for my current sin or for my future sin, uh, as a matter of fact, um, because Christ finished the work on the cross. That's um, right. Amazing truth, man. Yeah, you know, I find it interesting as we as Baptists can be really uh, weird about traditions mm-hmm. and when I was talking about a good Friday service, I think it was last year, some of my elders were like, do Baptists do good Friday service? I said, we do. I said, I said Baptists do whatever they want, right? First right. off, we do, we do what we want. We make our own traditions. And so um, I do think it's such an important thing to, to consider the cross this week and um, consider Christ's work. And I, I think you're spot on with the atonement, Christ establishing his kingdom, the already, not yet. And, um, man, what a, what a testament to grace that is. And, and I, I think really even going into Christ's obedience is our obedience. And so his, his obedience covers up all, all of our disobedience. And for me, that's a, a, an important, important aspect of all this is I can't, uh, I will never be good enough. Uh, yeah. Right. And, and, and who do you compare yourself to? Right. I've, I've had some people come to me and say, well, I'm not I'm not as bad as so and so over there. Right. And I'm like, OK, well, that's not the standard. So and so isn't the standard. Christ is the standard. And uh, we fall short every single time. And that's why we have that great high priest. Right. Yeah. Amen to that. Uh, I want to read from John. I kind of been focusing on John's gospel mainly this year. Uh, John chapter 19, verses 16 through 24. And uh, I encourage those listening or or watching to, uh, man, just read the whole gospel. In fact, read the whole Bible because this fits in really beautifully. (laughs) But I just want to read these few verses for the sake of our podcast. Uh, John 19, 16 through 24. So he then handed him over to be crucified. The he being handed over to be crucified is Jesus. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross. Why? It's not a cross that anybody else could bear with him. To the place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two other men, one on either side and Jesus in between. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus, the Nazarene, King of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier, and also the garments, uh, also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to decide whose it shall be. And this was to fulfill the scripture, the scripture there meaning this was written in the prophets, this was written in the Old Testament. 
They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is a, an allusion to, in fact, a citation of Psalm 22. I had to pause to get a drink of coffee there. Mm. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah, um, it is interesting, and especially in John's gospel, how John is so careful to always point out, like, this is written to fulfill the prophets. And by the way, even 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 the heathens were calling Jesus king at this point. <laughs> you know? That's right. Man, I, 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 love, I love it when they throw in Pilate, because he's just a, such a fascinating character to me mm-hmm. with his... Is uh, I've written what I've written. I've written my, <laughs> yeah. What is truth? You know, it's just right. it's like right. little one-line sayings are just so funny in there. Yeah, well, and and this this uh, pericope right here is one of the reasons so many people think okay, after the after the trial, Pilate eventually you know decided Jesus was Lord, uh, and there might be some evidence there. You know, Scripture isn't explicit about that, but I, I could see how maybe. You know. I bet he was definitely thinking. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. What do you think about John um, saying this was in order to fulfill Psalm 22, which is a Psalm of David from David's perspective? How does this fulfill Psalm 22? How is the crucifixion of Jesus a a fulfillment of uh, a Psalm that's written by King David from David's perspective and obviously about David? Right, right. Well, I do definitely think that because John, I believe it's John that talks about Jesus saying it is finished. Um, but in the crucifixion, let's see here. Does he say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me in this one? In this pair or in this uh, gospel? Uh, that'd be Matthew. I think Matthew, Matthew says that. Yeah. Right. So, it, you know, even if he wasn't doesn't record that he's already heard Jesus allude to this Psalm already. And as you read through that Psalm, it's so indicative of what happened on the cross. It's a, it's, it's pretty, it's kind of like he is reflecting on what happened and says, this is to fulfill what we just read about in the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Jesus does this all the time, right? He's like, what you've heard that was me. What yeah. you read about that, that was me. And I think John is following in his footsteps and saying, this is fulfilling it. This is fulfilling it. Right, right. Yeah, it is interesting as you read through the Gospels, um, Jesus will say something. He'll predict his, his death or he'll teach about his being glorified or his resurrection. And uh, the Gospel writers will say, but the disciples didn't understand this until he was glorified. <laughs> it's like, oh, and it, so Jesus raises from the dead. And they're like, oh, this this is what the Old Testament was talking about. Like at a pivotal now moment. I get yeah, it. Now yeah. I get it. Um, part of me wonders. Uh, Matthew quotes, of course, Psalm twenty-two, one, uh, as Jesus is from the cross. Um, Jesus speaking, Psalm twenty-two, one from the cross, and John. That's right. John uh, quotes Jesus. Uh, as saying a, an, another verse in Psalm 22 from the cross, part of me wonders if Jesus wasn't hanging on the cross, just quoting all of Psalm 22. Right. I mean, yeah. because if they're quoting two different parts of the Psalm, it's like, okay, how does Jesus get from verse one to, <laughs> you know? That's uh, right. That's right. And, and it's, 
you get there by quoting the whole psalm. And we know not everything that Jesus said is written down. Uh, that would be ridiculous in length. <laughs> the gospel, yeah. like you know. Um, but it's, it's yeah. Enough, part of me wonders if Jesus write it. Yeah, part of me wonders if Jesus isn't just quoting the whole psalm of twenty, whole psalm twenty-two. Yeah, and we know that they didn't have uh, you know chapter and verse verse numbers and versification mm-hmm. that came later. Right. So when you did want to draw someone's attention to some passage in scripture, you started by quoting the first line the, or the first couple lines, mm-hmm. and everyone's like turning in their minds to that scroll, right? Right. And I think right. I think that's kind of what's happening here as well. Yeah. Well, at any time, even Jesus, when he when he quoted the prophets, he, he would say uh, something to the effect of uh, it is it is written. And he would quote a verse from Isaiah, but then he would allude to several things in Isaiah and Jeremiah, something like that. Yep. And it's like you quote you quote one verse and it alluded to a, a, a package and people understood that. Like we would say, you know, Psalm 22 Whereas Matthew says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And immediately the whole psalm comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, which really does show points back to the continuity of the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? The whole word of God is um, is one unified vision of who just Jesus is. And it's not a, not a thing that we just piecemeal together over time. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's not like only after the crucifixion and resurrection that people started worshiping Jesus as God. I would wager that the Old Testament prophets were worshiping Jesus as God, you know, as they were prophesying. Right. I mean, we look at Abraham, you know, his faith was credited as righteous because he believed in the promise. Yeah. Right. And it's that promise of Christ. Yeah, it might be beneficial on this uh, Good Friday to read Psalm 22. I don't know if um, many people, after reading that part in the Gospels, they're like, uh, they jump right to, oh, God turned his back on Jesus, which is logically just an impossibility, right? Uh, so yeah. but they'll say, but they'll say, oh, God turned his back on Jesus because Jesus was taking on the the world's sin. Look, if God couldn't look on sin, he 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 wouldn't be able to be omniscient. So just stop saying that. No, he can yeah. <laughs> he can look at whatever he wants. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, so it's not that. It's Psalm twenty two, and Psalm twenty two is the point. But I, it's been rare that I have heard a preacher talk about the crucifixion and see the quotations of Jesus on the cross and go back to Psalm twenty two and actually exposit Psalm twenty two. And we probably don't have time to exposit. Psalm 22, like bona fide here on a podcast, but we can at least look at this and see what the psalmist is getting at and how this is fulfilled in, in Jesus. So Psalm 22, starting in verse one, this is David, a song of David, and David is crying out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. So keep in mind, these are David's words, and Jesus is quoting David's words from the cross. Yet you are holy. Oh, you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. 
they trusted and you delivered them. So Jesus quoting this Psalm is reminding the people at the cross about God's deliverance. Oh, how fitting for what he is about to do. He is about to give up his life to what? Deliver Israel, deliver, deliver all of his people among all nations. To you, they cried out and were delivered. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. So Jesus quoting this Psalm from the cross, he's not, he's not saying, Father, why are you turning your back on me? He's literally saying, look, deliverance is coming. It's coming right now. But I am a worm. This is David. But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised by people. All who see me sneer at me. That's what was happening with Jesus too. They separate with the lip. They wag the head saying, commit yourself to the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breasts, upon you, I was cast from birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me, and David David goes on, and he goes on, like, all my enemies are coming against me. You, O Lord, are my deliverer. And we get to verse 19. But you, O Lord, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword my only life from the power of the dog, save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen, you answer me. I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him, all you descendants of Jacob, and glorify him. For he has not despised nor abhorred the afflicted, the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard From you comes my praise in the great assembly. I shall pay my vows before those who hear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember. All right. And now we're getting to all the ends of the earth, right? Remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will worship before you. Christ, quoting from this psalm, perhaps quoting the whole psalm, we don't know. He's letting Israel know, look, this is how it happens. This is how all the families of the nations worship the Lord God. This is how all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord through the crucifixion. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow before him. Even he who cannot keep his soul alive, posterity will serve him. It will be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he, the Lord, has performed this. And uh, yeah, and in John's gospel, he's quoting from Psalm twenty-two, eighteen, right there. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. And when John says this happened in order to fulfill what was written in Psalm 22, he's not just talking about that one verse. He's talking about the whole of Psalm 22, uh, what is written about Jesus uh, in the Gospels is to fulfill the establishment of the kingdom of God on the earth and the and the the causing of all nations and all the families of the earth to bow before God, sovereign God, and now King Jesus, who is assuming all authority through his crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. Um, Psalm 22 is powerful. 
You know what stood out to me in Psalm 31, um, the very last bit, right? The people yet be born will declare mm-hmm. what he has done. Yeah. And it's almost like he Jesus is answering it when he says it is finished, right? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> yeah. so what we're about to declare this, it is done. It is finished. Like this mm-hmm. has been completed. Yeah. And man, that's a good, um, good cross reference for this crucifixion story to talk through yeah and it's uh what is accomplished through the crucifixion we say uh, why why did christ have to die well he had to die to in order to save people why <laughs> that's the follow-up question right why right why, why did why, this have to happen why does why does god need to die in order to save people can't he just save people if he wants to save people yeah, can you just uh, wave his his hand and make it make salvation happen? Right, right. And the answer to that is, if his goal was merely just to save people, yes, but that's not his primary goal, right? Uh, that's a very that's, right. that's a very human centered, prideful, selfish sort of gospel that Christ came just only merely to save people and as many people as possible. Uh, n- no, <laughs> no, he did not. Uh, Christ came um, because God alone is to be glorified. Well, how does how does that happen? How how does it happen that God alone is glorified? Yet He created the image of Himself on the earth. We got to go all the way back to Genesis chapter one to figure that out. Start reading from Genesis chapter one. People were created in the image of God. Being in the image of God means that they have a righteousness that is the image of God's righteousness, but not God's righteousness. Um, And it means that they are going to pursue their own self-righteousness, which means they're going to pursue their own self-glory. God's agenda then is to hand people over to sin because that is his plan and to himself deliver people from death. And that is how he is glorified and people are not. Well, that means God taking on the consequence of human sin on humankind's behalf. It's all about God's glory, not primarily about the the salvation of as many people as possible. And, uh, you know, in the church today, especially around Easter time, we maybe on accident, it's not on purpose, uh, wind up worshiping ourselves rather than God, because it's all about saving as many people as possible rather rather than rather than the present federal kingship of King Jesus as the second Adam um, to the glory of the father. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I take counselees a lot of times to Romans uh, eight, 28, Mm -hmm. 29, as we kind of unpack this same concept. And uh, let me just go there so I can say it properly say it correctly i i notice how you're um, using short passages so you don't lose your place <laughs> yeah i had to use the shortest passage possible hey. so I, <laughs> yeah so um you know we, we all know that uh when it says we know that all things work together for for the good of those who love god who are called according to his purpose and everybody likes to throw that on a bumper sticker or a, mm. a coffee mug. And, and uh, the and, next thing you know, people are confused, <laughs> right? Because they don't right. continue. That's right. 
They don't go to 29, which, which says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And this is where we're getting the reason for the crucifixion mm-hmm. is that he would have, that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And then those he predestined, he also called, those he called, he also justified, those he justified, he also glorified. But all of this is for the elevation of the son, mm-hmm. right? The, um, the exaltation of him. Yeah. Yeah. When we, when we start with us, we, we wind up doing things backward and in a, in a very dishonoring way to God. Right. Um, I love, I love the bumper sticker. I just wish more people knew the context. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, cause we, we use that verse to, to say exactly the opposite of, of what it means. Like, um, yeah, God's working all things together for my good. My good. Yep. Mm, God's on my team. Mm, that's not the direction this text goes. No, you, you, God brings you to be on his team. That's what's happening here. Well, it's the same <laughs> thing with Philippians four. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. I, I can right. do all things through a verse taken out of context. I <laughs> could do all things through a verse taken out of context. Right. And Paul's writing this from prison. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. You can't, you can't get a little more uncomfortable than where Paul was. So. Right, right. Uh, so I, uh, in our, as as I messaged you earlier today, I uh, I sent you a question that I might ask, and I I do want to ask that because uh, one of the questions I hear um, from Christianity's critics are uh, or is, um, you mean, you mean it was possible for people to kill God? Um, if if God died, then then obviously He wasn't reigning in that moment. Uh, obviously, uh, there's there's something fishy going on there in in Christendom. How do you explain that, Mister Mister Christian, Mister Pastor Guy? Uh, how did people kill God? That's not even possible, is it? When, so when you when you sent me that message saying, "Hey, this is my," I had like a a, a small anxiety attack that happened because <laughs> yeah. I was like. There's so many heresies that I could get into right now. Right. And so I looked up in my uh, my study Bible. I pulled it out. I'm like, oh, here's here's another heresy. Here's another heresy. Here, I'm like, let let's try to uh, tiptoe around the heresies, uh, but we shouldn't be scared of this question, right? Because right. The church history has answered it from the beginning, and um, we have the Chalcedonian Christology, which is kind of what we. We base a lot of our um, orth. Where do we, where do we find our orthodoxy mm-hmm. from? But I did look on Ligonier Ministries, and they had this thing. They they uh, they they talked about a hymn that we use in our own churches. Mm-hmm. And so the hymn is called "And Can It Be? How Can It Be That Thou, My God, Shouldst Die for Me?" And then, so if you're just a an atheist and you've heard that, or even a Christian and you've heard that, you're like, "Oh, God died for me. That makes sense." And beyond some of the other issues with that, that way to talk about it. So when we think, did God die? Are we asking, did God perish? Right. Cause that's kind of the equivalent that we're looking at here. And this is why Trinitarian theology is so important to our understanding of what happened on the cross. When knowing that who Jesus is, he is fully God or truly God and truly man fully man. And he has these two parts that are all combined to one. And we don't want to separate them like we would, you know, fall into another problem. And um, that's why this, this uh, formulation by Chalcedon is helpful. 
It says one nature of Christ is sometimes seen doing things in which his other nature does not share. Mm. Anything that either nature does, the person of Christ does. He, God incarnate, is the active agent every time. The incarnation is a matter of Christ gaining human attributes, not of his giving up divine attributes. Mm -hmm. He gave up the glory of divine life, but not the possession of divine powers. We must look first to the gospel accounts of Jesus Christ's ministry in order to see the incarnation actualized rather than follow fanciful speculations shaped by erroneous human assumptions. And then five, the initiative for the incarnation came from God, not from man. And so if we understand God and Jesus as God, Jesus, the son, we understand that there are two parts of Jesus that are not separate. They're all one, but the human nature of Jesus Christ died on that cross, which means Christ died on the cross because they're not set. You know, you can't separate human nature from Christ because that is who he is now and forever. Right. And so we don't, we don't want to split this up, but we have to be careful how we say that. Right. Right. Because uh, so, what was the one that I read? That's hard to, uh, you got the theopassionism, right. And then the patripassionism, which means the theopatrianism, theopathy. Man, I can't even say it in English. Um, theopassionism basically means that the father suffered through the mm-hmm. suffering of his son. And then you have the pat or yeah, the patri passionism is a father suffered. The theo passionism is that God himself suffered on the cross. And uh, we have to be careful because those are things that the church, the early church renounced as this is not true. Right. But I do think it does come from, and and I was reading some, some history books on this recently too, because it deals with my passage that I'm going to be preaching. Right. But, uh, there are some interesting characters in church history who through their intellect were having a difficult time grasping this concept. And so they tried to come up with um, logical or rational solutions to do it. And it led them into error. Mm-hmm. And that error, a lot of us will call heresy, but it's, it's deviating from orthodoxy um, because they misunderstand the true nature of Christ. And, and they did not rely on what the scripture, the gospel accounts say, because right. the gospel say that Jesus Christ is God. And the gospel accounts say that Jesus Christ is man. Mm-hmm. And uh, same thing with the Trinitarian conversations. We try to come up with our own external solutions to what's clearly in scripture. Yeah. So you've seen You've seen the Lutheran satire, bad analogies, right? Oh, Patrick. Oh, Patrick. <laughs> that's, modal, that's modalism, Patrick. Yeah. Well, I um, used it with my youth. Yeah, nice. Um, un- unfortunately, um, when critics formulate the phrase like they do, right? God is dying on the cross. Unfortunately, that appeals to the heresy of modalism and not actual theology, not biblical doctrine, right? And modalism just means that God is in three forms, not in three persons. Right, right. So, and people, and I I did a whole thing on uh, bad illustrations Mm -hmm. for the Trinity. Oh, man. uh, (laughs) All of them are bad. (laughs) They're all bad. And and actually, I read an interesting, I don't know if we're we're trying to go this way in this podcast, but I read this, uh, an interesting 
analogy of how someone tried to explain the incomprehensibleness of it all is um, and it, it's like a poem or a story about flatland. So mm-hmm. everything is two dimensional in this land is all two dimensional. And then a sphere arrives on the flatland to a, a, a square and that square tries to explain to everybody else about the sphere and nobody understands him. They threw him in prison because he's a crazy person because that doesn't right. you know, exist. And right. I said, that's that's like us trying two dimensional objects trying to explain a three dimensional object. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, but when, when people talk about um, or think about Christ dying on the cross, uh, there is some hasty generalization that goes on. Right. Um, we are not claiming that the father died on the cross. Uh, the Father is always transcendent, the first person of the Trinity, always transcendent, never in bodily form. We are no. not claiming that Jesus Christ ceased to exist when his body died on the cross. That's not the claim being made either. Um, we are claiming that Jesus poured out his blood, broke his flesh to substitute for all the flesh of his people, right? The death for death, um, because that is the consequence of sin. And he did that. So he would be exalted. Um, he rested on black Sabbath on the, on black Saturday. And, uh, and then he, he rose back to life in bodily form, the glorified state on Sunday morning. That is the claim we are making. Uh, we do not make the claim that God himself perished on the cross, Right we make the claim that Christ gave up his body on the cross. And, uh, and yeah, there's a, there's a lot to be said there about his, about his human nature actually dying there and then being risen back to life in the glorified state. But that's the claim we are making, not that God ceased to exist or somehow, or somehow perished or that people could somehow bruise God. No, we're not making that claim at all. Uh, so. That's right. Cause that would, that would, that would necessitate a change mm-hmm. in who God is, his right. character, his immutability would be damaged if one person of the Godhead of the essence of God was destroyed on the cross. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so I, yeah, we're doing a, an apologetic series at, at a uh, T cats. And uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's one of the apologetic, great apologetics questions. Um, though most that of, is really good. Yeah. So, that's a, yeah, bro. I don't know if I have anything else other than, um, man, we just, this is a, a good, good, good Friday, um, because of That's the substitutionary right. atonement. And if, if Christ's death was not an atonement, then we have no reason to celebrate. If it was not substitutionary then we have no reason to celebrate, uh, if through his death, burial and resurrection, he was not establishing his kingdom on earth, then we really have no reason to celebrate Easter. Uh, so, Let's let's celebrate, man. He he died That's right. on our behalf uh, to exalt himself and glorify the Father. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, I, we will be totally silent uh, tomorrow on Saturday on Black Sabbath because we will be observing the Sabbath. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be observing the Sabbath, but I, <laughs> you know, uh, I am not releasing a podcast tomorrow on Black Sabbath. I hope to see everyone on uh, Sunday morning uh, here at TCATS. We'll be here at 8.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Join us if you can. Join us online if you cannot make it to campus. We are having brunch following our Resurrection Sunday service. Uh, Matt, would you like to share the details about the what you guys are doing? 
Yeah, absolutely. At 9 o'clock, we're doing a, um, a brunch as well. And then uh, 10 o'clock, we will kick off with our Easter service. And then the rest of the day is for family and for worship. Sweet. So if you're in Sierra Vista, join Matt and his congregation. And if you're uh, around Pierce Sunsites, uh, come join us at the Church of Sunsites. And we will catch you guys the next time we publish something. Who knows when that's going to be? I'm exhausted this week. So. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs>